0: Good morning, crosswalk. How y'all doing? Can you hear me? Yeah. So how y'all doing? Yeah. I can go a little. I thought I had to stay on the carpet. I was given strict. Oh, off the carpet. You see, here's the thing, right? English is not even my first language, so you're gonna have to allow this one. <laughs> It is good to be here, it's so good to be here. As in, when I'm in here, I'm in here, on here. I'm usually here, but I'm usually in the other rooms, running around chasing kids. Um, But it's good to be here. Um, It's good to be alive. I feel like, I don't usually feel like that, but today I'm just like, it is good to be alive. There's people that didn't make it this week. Um, And it's good to be here with you. I've had like the longest week of my life. And so when I say that I'm happy to be here, I really do mean that. Um, because usually when I have like weeks like that, I, I don't want to be around people. But like today, I just like, dude, like I just want to be, I just want to be around people um, who kind of care about the same things I care about, um, who care about each other, and um, I want to thank everyone who sent me text messages this week to be like, hey, Foster Uriel, we're praying for you. So thank you so much. Uh, I. <laughs> i was thinking about this as i was praying i was like here's a quick way here's a quick way to lose your job right anyone trying to lose their job here's a quick way compare your job to prison all right in front of your boss which is what i'm not going to do and the reason why i share that is because it's going to sound like that's what i'm saying (laughs) but that is not what i'm saying i'm using the prison analogy as an analogy, I'm not comparing our world to prison. I'm not comparing our church to prison, okay? Like, nudge your neighbor and say, it's an analogy, okay? I hope you heard that, Pastor Paddy. It's an analogy. Um, but before we talk about this analogy, um, let's have a word of prayer. Lord, once again we ask you to Make your presence felt amongst us, like in a real way. Uh, Open our hearts and our minds and our ears to the gentle sound of your voice. That whatever you may say to us is something that strengthens us, that makes us whole, perhaps, and that reminds us that we're in good hands because we're in your hands. May the words that come out of my mouth be words that are acceptable to you I guess if I say something that I shouldn't say, may everyone in here get hit by some amnesia of some sort. Because your word is the only thing that matters to us. Your love is the only thing that matters to us. In the name of Jesus Christ, the first of our kind, I pray this prayer. Amen. So when you go to prison... They give you two boxes, all right? They give you box one, which is an empty box. And this is the U box, right? That's your U you box. And what they do is they open the box for you and they tell you to put in the stuff that makes you you. And so maybe you like deep V-necks shirts. Anyone used to wear the V-necks, like the deep one? It's okay, it's okay, it was a trend. We're not judging. Maybe that's what you like, or maybe you like cardigans, and what do you call this, turtlenecks, and that's your thing. And you like to wear baggy trousers, or maybe let's go skinny jeans, I'm wondering by myself, okay? <laughs> maybe that's what you look, and they tell you, well, just, just put that in there. Maybe you like a little bling, put your bling in there, put your fedora hat in there, and they close the box. That's the U-box close. And then, they give you box number two. And number two is the VEM box. And so they open the VEN box and in there are new clothes for you. The new things you're gonna need. And it's like a beige or maybe it's like a gray sweatshirt and sweatpants and a gray t-shirt and some unbranded gray sneakers. You don't even like sneakers, but that's what you're wearing now or some flip-flops and that's it. And maybe they give you a gray beanie and that's, that's you now. They take the U-box away and they give you this. This is now what you carry around with you. This, in many ways, is the new you. And they do that for several reasons. One, one of the reasons they do it is because they want to let you know who the source of authority is in this place. In this place, we are the source of authority. We tell you what to do, what to wear, when to wear it, where you go. We tell you who you are. And the other thing that it does is, of course, it strips you of your identity. You're no longer James the Fedora guy. Now you're some gray hoodie, gray beanie person that doesn't have a name in most places. I don't know if they still do it, but they gave you a number. You don't have a name anymore. You're just some number walking around with just gray clothes. And that, the combination of both those things, you know what they do? They make you invisible. Before you know it, you're just drowning in a sea of grayness. That's what they do. Now, again, it's an analogy, and it's extreme analogy. But I know you connect to it because in many ways, a lot of us, and I want to even say most of us, know what that feels like. Because we navigate through life with this feeling that often we have to sort of mediate between like, okay, I'm going to put some of my stuff in this box right now in, in, in box one, like I'm going I'm to do that uh, and maybe that will make my time a little bit better here. Maybe I'll, I'll be part of what's happening here. Or sometimes you go, um, well, maybe I need to take something from box two and put it on because that's going to make me fit in and that's going to make me have a better time out here. Somebody say amen if you can relate to this. Most of us navigate our lives wary of being who we are for the f- fear of being rejected, for fear of being unaccepted, of fear of not fitting in, for fear of missing out in what everybody else is experiencing. I remember, <laughs> I, remember I was in college, first year of college. There's this girl in my class called Sophia. Sophia is from South Korea. And the whole year, Sophia is like in two of my classes. So we hang hanging out and all that kind of stuff. We do, you know. And then eventually, at the end of the year, I find out that Sophia's name is actually not Sophia. The whole year. She told me her name, which I immediately forgot because she went by Sophia. And it was a name that I wasn't used to hearing. But then she told me, she, she made me aware of something that I didn't know. So apparently, a lot of people from South Korea or, or, or places where they have names that are not similar to names that we have in the West, before they come to the West. And so Sophia, before she came to to England, choose a name that's a little bit more westernized. And you choose that before you come. Because that, that way it's a little bit more palatable for people. Or maybe it's a little bit more accessible for people. right? Because you want to make sure that when you get there, you can assimilate to society as quickly as you can, that you can be part of those people. And so there is Sophia I wish I had remembered her name. And even before coming to England, she's going, I'm going to put this in box one, and I'm going to take this from box two. And so she comes to England. Because she wants to have an easy time. She just wants to be part of what's happening in England. And we do that. A lot of us do that. How kids do that. Have you noticed how quickly? You don't have to tell them. You don't have to tell anyone anything. Do you know how quickly kids know how much of themselves they need to be in what places if they want to be accepted? I remember my little cousin, my little cousin, first day of school, she comes home. I'm at home having a cup of, I'm at her mom's having a cup of tea and she comes in back from school and she's like, mommy, mommy, I want you to straighten my hair. And My cousin goes, why? I thought you liked your curls. I do. But she says, and so the mom says like, so why do you want to straighten And She's like, well, everyone at school has straight hair. She's doing some thinking, you don't have to tell her. She might not even be aware of exactly what she's saying, but what she's saying is, hey, maybe I need to take something from the box two, and maybe I need to put something away from box A, into box A, because that's gonna make my life a little easier at school, and that's gonna get me friends, that's gonna make me fit in, Etc. 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 We do it. We do all of us do do this to some degree. But some of us, some of us, do it a lot more than others. Some of us do it over and over again for the promise of belonging. Because everyone, everyone wants to belong. everyone so how quickly it is that we get used to just putting our stuff in box one how quickly it is that some of us just get used to we don't even think about it we just come in a room and just boom put on something but was one from box two just to make life easy but it comes at a cost before you know it you're drowning in a sea of gray You've lost this thing that makes you who you are. Or maybe you become this version of this person that's, ah, that's you but it's not, it's just a version of you. One of the things that I do as a pastor, like all pastors do, is stay up all night thinking about my community. Thinking about the kind of community that I'm I'm helping to create. And the reason I do that, the reason we do that as pastors is because well, we know how much work we do to make this community go. It's a lot of hard work. We know that the community is putting in resources for the community to get better, for the community to get richer, for the community to become the kind of community that we feel called to. And so it bothers me sometimes. And I ask myself, occasionally I ask myself, Occasionally, a lot of time, I ask myself, am I working in creating spaces that actually invite and encourage authenticity? Or as I go about my work, working with young people, do I just work on building a culture where I I, I am making people make a choice? I'm giving people two boxes as I come into the space that I'm creating. Because if it's the latter then Pastor is in trouble. Then we're in trouble. Our kids are in trouble. And it's something that we need to think about because the, the true health of a community is not found in how quickly it's growing. It's not found in how, how big it's growing. It's not found in how many, how many, how many, um, what they call testimonies we're hearing and how many likes you get on your posts. The true health of a community is found in the ability to see people in their entirety and make people feel seen. The true health of the community is found in the ability to make people feel accurately known and understood. Oh, you heard my French accent there, huh? My bad. It is found in the ability to make people feel accurately known and accurately understood. And I'm becoming convinced that we will never be able to see people and know people accurately as they really are unless they come through our doors as they are, without having to give up parts of their identity. Because for me, the question is simple. The question is this, is can a person fully belong to the community and thrive within the community if that person cannot fully be themselves in the community? How well are you going to do at belonging if when you come, you're putting some of your stuff in box one and you're taking stuff away from box, from, out of box two? Can you really, what kind of belonging is that? Can I really see you if you're not being yourself? And can you see, really, really see me if I'm not being myself? I mean, maybe we can see a version of ourselves. Maybe I can see a version of you. Is that Scott? Maybe I can see a version of you, Scott, but like, am I really seeing you? Or am I seeing whatever it is that you feel you need to be to be accepted in this community? And it's the same for me. Can you really see Pastor Uriel if Pastor Uriel is not being Uriel Erinirina? It's been a long week. the weird kid from Madagascar who moved to the U.S. somehow via England, who knows about Bonhoeffer and Tillage, and spends his Sunday morning singing along to Rihanna's anti album, like almost every Sunday. Who, before wanting to be a pastor, wanted to be a farmer, then became an art curator, and today end up being a pastor. And if I'm being honest, a pastor who really didn't want to talk about diversity today. (laughs) I'm being honest. Can we really see each other if we can't be who we are when we join this community? I don't know. I don't know what you think, but I feel like it's difficult to do so. I feel like if we can't be ourselves, we can't really be seen for who we are. And everyone, everyone wants to be seen. And everyone wants to be known. And I'm looking at some of you introverts and you may be shaking your head a little bit. But but you do. You do. Maybe you don't want to be known in public. You don't want to be known up here. But, But you want to be known. You want someone to see you exactly as you are because there's something that happens that can only happen when someone sees you for who you really are. Naked, figuratively. It's something we all need for survival. In his book, How to Know a Person, David Brooks puts it this way There is something in being seen that brings forth growth. If you beam the light of your attention on me, I blossom. If you see the potential in me, I will probably come to see a great potential in myself. If you can understand my frailties and sympathize with me when life treats me harshly, then then I am more likely to have the strength to weather the storms of life. The roots of resilience, the psychologist Diana Fosho writes, are to be found in the sense of being understood and existing in the mind and heart of a loving, attuned, and self-possessed other. In how you see me, I learn to see myself. In how you see me, I learn to see myself. When we're talking about diversity, for the most part we have a conversation about representation. Right, I remember I wasn't planning to share this, but I remember going to a church once and the pastor came to me and I was like, Oh, welcome to our church, like you'd love it here, you'd love it here. We have about twenty different cultures at our church. I'm like, Whoa, amazing. So I came in and blah blah. And then I watched a worship service, and then we had potluck, and I looked at a potluck and I was like, No, no, you don't have twenty cultures. (laughs) You may have twenty nationalities. But you have one culture. Have you heard of saison? <laughs> I'm bad. I'll delete that bit, please. But sometimes when we talk about diversity, we're talking about, oh, as long as we have the different shades of the people in the rainbow, we're good. And I'm not saying that's not part of it. That's a very, that's a part of it. Representation matters. But that's the easy part what we're really getting at is the creation of a culture that promotes, that supports, and celebrates the blossoming of the distinct and different identities found in the community. It's the cultivation of a community that knows how to shine light on people who are different to them and make those people seen. And that's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable because It asks of you to make space for others. It asks of you to become more curious, more interested in other people. It asks of you to listen more, to look closer, look deeper, ask the right question. Be interested, like genuinely. Move beyond the superficial, Glad you're here. Because glad you're here can make someone feel invisible. Sometimes glad you're here is worse than I hope you didn't come. Because at least when you say to me, I hope you didn't come, I can feel like you saw me and you didn't like me. But glad you're here, I don't know. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm glad you guys are here. right? Like I really am. But I'm just saying sometimes, sometimes the worst thing that you can do to someone is to be indifferent to the kind of person that they are. It's better to hate them than to just be indifferent because that says, I don't care about you. And that is not the kind of community that we are being called to, is it? We've been called to do something much bigger. To bring people out of the darkness and into the light. Like literally. Shine the light on people who are different to us. Out of invisibility into a place that bears witness to the entirety of their being. That is our calling. Do you know what I realized this year? Not this year, last year. I realized that I was actually getting tired of playing community. Of performing belongness ever felt like that? I was just tired. And I know some of you feel like that because I've heard it from some of you and I know I'm not the only one. That's why you're here. You come here every week seeking connection, seeking communion or at least if I can't commune with people, I can commune with God because that is what Moves us forward. But I've got some good news for you. Are you ready to learn some God math? You've heard of boy math, girl math? right. Well, here's some God math for you. In God's economy, it is impossible to see another being fully and not catch a glimpse of your own self. I'll say that again. In God's economy, it is impossible to see another being fully and not catch a glimpse of yourself. Divine wisdom makes it so that you can only grasp your true beauty and your true strength when it is reflected to you by someone else. That is why love makes sense. That's why so many of us are dying to fall in love. Because love makes a way for two people to see their true selves in the eyes of each other. Uriel can fully appreciate his own beauty because his wife, Caitlin, recognizes that beauty and celebrates it. There are parts of Uriel that Uriel will never know until Caitlin shines a light on that part. That's God math. Diversity does not only illuminate the beauty and depth of those who are different to us, but it brings to light those things in ourselves that we would otherwise never see. Things that can only be seen by people who are different to us. And so the real price of closing yourself up to diversity is there are parts of you, your beauty, your strength, that may forever be blind to you. that's God's math. Bearing witness to the beauty of this world in its entirety means learning to see and know people accurately and compassionately in the promise that we too will be known. When Hebrews, the author of Hebrews says, remember to welcome strangers into your homes, Some have done this and have welcomed angels without realizing it. I think he's saying that the stranger is actually an angel. We just don't know that yet because we've not truly seen them yet. Which means that in a very real way we haven't seen ourselves truly yet in our entirety. What the Hebrew writer demands of us is not easy. It's actually very hard. It asks of us to find the courage to be ourselves, to get rid of the boxes, be ourselves at the risk of rejection. You've got to take that risk. You cannot continue to play safe for the rest of your life. It's tough, I know, but maybe, maybe if you do it and maybe if I do it, maybe someone next to you will do it too. Maybe they'll feel like, you know what? I too can be the person that I feel God created me to be. Maybe they too can pick stuff up from box A, even though we just kicked the box away, and become the people they always knew they were so that they can be seen and known and so that they can feel heard and feel valued and feel understood and feel loved. Loved well. The good news for me is that this is a community project. As a pastor, I don't have to come up with a solution by myself. It's a community project. The only way we're going to create a community of true belonging is if we all do it together. That's the only way. And so remember remember to welcome the strangers into your homes. I know it's a risk but do it because some have done this and have welcomed in angels, bearers of beauty. I came across a piece, an art piece a while back. It was created by four teenagers between the age of 14 and 16, uh, somewhere around in Washington County. It was part of their therapy program, uh, and they needed to put something artistically together. And so they made this 4x24 mural in the, in the city. I don't know if it's still there, this was a while back. But I kept the artist statement, and I brought it here today because I want to share it with you as a prayer and as a blessing. So, this is the artist statement from 4 young teenagers trying to make sense of life for therapy. May it be a blessing to you. How powerful would it feel not to feel alone, to be included, to be accepted as you are, to be accepted fully and wholly by friends, by family, by peers, and by society as you are, as the incredible, resilient human you are. How powerful would it be to not be silenced, to be heard, to be celebrated, to not be minimized or hushed. Our voices deserve to be heard and shared, to be celebrated. And amplified. People are in a relationship with people. Whether a friend, a significant other, a family, a colleague, a relationship is strong when you're heard and when you've been valued. When you hear and when you value. When you are valued as a whole person and you build each other up when you have mutual respect and acknowledge each other's strengths and areas for growth, and when you embrace our differences and recognize our similarities, we are able to grow as individuals and in humanity. We want you to know that it is okay to expand your mind and to change your perspective, to hold yourself accountable and to admit when you were ignorant or wrong It is a wonderful thing to allow yourself to grow and to notice progress and the evolution of thought. We are happier and healthier when we are together and when we are heard. Not only when we are heard, but when we amplify others' voices who deserve to be celebrated. We hope you acknowledge that we have pride in us, that we have pride in others, and that pride is more than just a month, a year. We hope you feel love, happiness, and courage. We hope you know how powerful it is not to feel alone. Remember, remember to welcome the strangers into your homes. Some have done this, and have welcomed in angels, bearers of beauty, mine and yours, amen.